Well, first of all, I want to say thank you, EJ, for leading us in worship this morning. For those of you, yes, show him our appreciation. He's not only an amazing worship leader, but he's also an urban missionary with Missions Canada and has been in the downtown core of Toronto since 2007, ministering to so many people, especially marginalized people. He's just a great guy, and we are so blessed to have him with us today. Um, so again, good morning to all of you and welcome to Warden. I hope you've been enjoying the summer months and that you've been able to take some time to relax. It's really hard to believe, but in a couple weeks, summer will be over. And for students, I know, <laughs> for students and teachers, it's going to be back to school. Now, that made me think of a story that I read about a retired man who purchased a home near a high school. He spent the first few weeks of his retirement in peace. Then the new school year began. One afternoon early in the semester, three loud young boys came down his street, beating merrily on all the bins that they came across. They did this the following day and the day after that until finally the retiree decided it was time to take some action. So the next afternoon, he walked out to meet the boys as they banged their way down the street. Stopping them, he said, you kids are a lot of fun. I used to do the same thing when I was your age. Will you do me a favor? Will you, if I will give you each a dollar if you promise to come around every day and do your thing. Well, the boys were more than happy to continue the bang on the bins every day on their walk home. After a week, the old man walked out to greet the kids again. However, this time he didn't have a smile on his face. This recession's really putting a dent in my income, he told them. I'm going to have to cut it down to 50 cents a day to keep you kids banging on the bins. Well, the kids were obviously unimpressed, but they accepted the reduction in payment and continued their afternoon activities. Well, a few days later, the man approached them again. He said, I haven't received my retirement check yet, so I'm not going to be able to give you guys more than 25 cents to bang on the bins. Will that be okay? That's it, the drum leader exclaimed. If you think we're going to waste our time beating those things around for 25 cents a day, you're nuts. No way, mister. We quit. Now, the man enjoyed peace and serenity for the rest of his days. <laughs> the point of the story is this. When you want peace, you have to take action. You have to pursue it. Now, I don't know about you, but I want peace in my life. In a world where there seems to be an increase in unrest, there's not only war going on in, among the nations, but I believe there is a war going on inside a lot of people. And people are desperately in need of peace. And to be honest with you this morning, I haven't felt as peaceful lately. And I'm in need of peace so it's my desire to pursue it, no matter what happens, no matter what people say, no matter what circumstances come my way, I'm determined to have peace. Psalm 34, 14 says, depart from evil and do good. Seek, inquire for, and crave peace and pursue. Go after it. You see, I believe God has a lot in mind for his children. And he not only wants us to live our life with purpose, he wants us to live it with peace. But peace doesn't just happen. You have to crave it. You have to chase after it and pursue it. 
I read about this lady who was also pursuing peace. And she said, my therapist told me the way to achieve true inner peace was to finish what I started. So, so far today, I've finished two bags of chips and a chocolate cake, and I feel better already. <laughs> if only that worked, right? <laughs> we know that that's not the answer to lasting peace. But the promise of God is that we have at our fingertips a peace that passes understanding through Jesus Christ. But when we look at the reality of our lives, they're instead filled with worries and stresses and strains. You see, when we become Christians, we have peace with God. It comes to us in the forgiveness of sins through the merit and suffering of our Savior. Romans 5.1 says, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God means we have reconciliation with him. We're no longer alienated. The war with God is over. And many Christians have peace with God, but they've never gone on to experience the peace of God in their lives. Instead, they're torn with anxiety and fears that destroy spiritual stability and joy in the Lord. You know, peace is listed as a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, and I believe it should grow and develop in our lives as we understand who we are in Christ and the truth about who is our peace. But the problem happens when bad stuff seems to invade our lives, and at times we struggle to find peace. And listen to the words of Jesus. In John 16.33, it says, Have peace in me here on the earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus also said in John 14, 27, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Have peace, take heart, don't be troubled or afraid. That sounds well and good, but you might be thinking, Connie, how do I get that peace that Jesus is talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> because in Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul gives us some instructions as to how we can come closer to finding that peace that we so long for. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 1 to 9. Or you can also follow along on the screen. It says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with you, Oda, and I plead with Sintitri to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace 
will be with you. Let's pause for a moment to pray. God, we thank you for your word. It's there to help us and teach us and instruct us and encourage us. So God, as we look into your word today, I pray that you would help us, that your Holy Spirit would minister truth to each of our lives, that God, we would get more of that peace that your word talks about, that we would be able to live lives that are filled with, with your peace and your joy. God, I thank you, and I just ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, at the time that Paul wrote this passage, if anyone had a reason to lose their peace, it was him. His Christian friends at Philippi, they were arguing with, with each other, and he wasn't there to be able to help them. I, I can imagine Paul was always also thinking about the other churches that he had planted, not to mention the possibility of his own death and the fact that he was a Roman prisoner. Yet despite all of that, he doesn't complain. Instead, he takes the time to explain to them the secret to lasting peace. So the first thing that we see in this passage is that if you're going to have peace, you have to deal with your conflict. The church at Philippi didn't have peace, and one of the main reasons was these two people, Yoodai and Sintitri, they were fighting with one another. Yes, it was a girl fight. <laughs> and we have no record of what it was that they were fighting about, but it was a creating enough of a problem in the church that word had get, gotten all the way back to Paul in prison. And Paul was writing to tell the people that they needed to deal with the conflict. See, conflict, if it's not dealt with properly, can cause a lot of problems and it can steal your peace. Now, conflict is a normal part of everyone's life. It'll show up at school, at work, at home, in your community, in your relationships, in church, and even on a train. It's like the story I read about a man who found himself on a train between two ladies. And unfortunately for him, the two ladies were arguing constantly about whether the window should be open or shut. The lady furthest from the window argued that she would die of heat stroke if it wasn't open. The other one said that she would certainly catch pneumonia and die if it wasn't closed. When the ticket taker arrived, the ladies begged him to come up with a solution, but unfortunately he didn't have a solution. So finally the man spoke up. He said, first open the window and that'll kill that one, and then close it and that'll kill the other one, and then finally we'll have some peace. <laughs> See, because people are different, conflict is inevitable. And we all respond to conflict in our relationships in different ways. Some people tend to explode in conflict. You know, we stew and stew until finally we boil over. And when we finally do explode, you might yell or throw something. And then after the explosion, you start stewing again until the next outburst. Still other people thrive on conflict. These are people who like the rush of being in an argument, so they instigate arguments wherever they go. These are people who like to fight. You know who you are, and honestly, I don't understand you. <laughs> Some of us, we avoid and withdraw. This is the person who looks for the closest exit as soon as the sign of conflict appears on the horizon. This person clams up about their feelings during a conflict, withdrawing into the safety of their own silence. This is a person who'd rather pretend that everything is okay rather than confront another person. And the problem with avoiding conflict at all costs 
is that the cost is high. You see, if you don't deal with it, it will rob you of your peace. Someone said, peace is not the absence of conflict. It is the ability to handle conflict by peaceful means. Now, the sign of any healthy relationship in any setting is not the absence of conflict, but the ability to resolve conflict in a positive, healthy, Christ-like way. Now, I have to say, though, that there will be times when some people are just not interested in making peace with us. Romans 12:18 says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So Paul gives us two conditions, if possible, and so far as it depends on you. So this verse recognizes that we can't control everything. You can't control someone else's response. But by controlling our words and our actions and doing all we can to resolve the conflict, we can still experience peace, understanding that it's not in our power to make things right. If you are in pursuit of peace like me, We need to learn to, as much as it depends on us, to deal with the conflict that comes into our lives. Because unresolved conflict will will rob you of your peace. The second thing we need to do if we're pursuing peace is learn to deal with our anxiety. What lies at the bottom of the ocean and twitches? Anyone? What lies at the bottom of the ocean and twitches? A nervous wreck. (laughs) Sorry, that was a bad joke. (laughs) But how many nervous wrecks are here today? (laughs) In verse 6, Paul says, be anxious for nothing. Now, this time in anxiety uh, in history has been called the age of anxiety. Anxiety is the number one mental health problem in our country. And according to the National Health Organization, anxiety and depression has increased since the pandemic by 25%. And let me tell you, Christians are not exempt. Anxiety, what is it? It's an emotion that a person experiences in the face of a perceived threat or danger. And notice the word perceived because the danger can be real or imagined. In either case, whether the danger is real or imagined, the anxiety and all its symptoms are very real and can affect your life in terrible ways and rob you of your peace. God knows how anxiety affects us and he warns us. Do not be anxious. So we need to learn to deal with anxiety. Dealing with anxiety is a choice, but we need to be willing to pursue it and pay the price. And in the case of living without anxiety, the price might be living a more balanced lifestyle, spending some time meditating on the truths of God's word, nurturing some strong friendships, maybe getting rid of your defense mechanisms, and even seeking professional care and counseling when you can't do it on your own. It's important because worrying does not take away tomorrow's troubles. It takes away today's peace. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. Pray about everything. Will you say that with me out loud? Do not be anxious about anything. Pray about everything. That was good. Let's try it one more time. Do not be anxious about anything but pray about everything. Plant those words firmly in your heart and in your mind. Memorize them. Focus on them. Then ask yourself, what is it that I'm worried about? Then make a list of anything that you're anxious about. Paul says, once you make that list, now switch everything on your worry list over to your prayer list. 
Give every worry, everything big, everything small that you're anxious about, give it to the Lord. Give away every worry one by one to God. I also have to mention, too, that um, he mentions gratitude. Paul says, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And, you know, research has shown that constantly practicing gratitude can reduce feelings of stress and anxiety. So prayer plus gratitude helps to reduce anxiety. Now, I don't mean to make that sound simple because I know it is not. Anxiety is not a simple or easy thing to deal with, and there are no simple solutions. But I do know that if you're going to pursue peace, you need to start taking the necessary steps to deal with your anxiety. Someone once said, if you find yourself in a rowboat during a storm, you should pray and row to shore. Now, dealing with anxiety is possible if you're willing to go to God for help and do the necessary work to pursue peace. How hard and how long you must work will depend on how far away from the shore you are when you begin. See, peace is possible, but to get it, you need to deal with your anxiety. Another thing you need to do if you're in pursuit of peace is deal with your thoughts. We see this in verse 8. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. See, peace involves the heart and the mind. And wrong thinking leads to wrong feeling. And before long, you've lost your peace. We must realize that thoughts are real and powerful, even though they can't be seen, weighed, or measured. 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us that we are to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Well, it's not enough not to think negative things. We have to fill our minds with the right things. And Paul tells us the things that we ought to think about as Christians. First, he says, whatever is true. Now, we have an enemy, Satan. And he is a liar. John 8.44 tells us that there is no truth in him and that he is the father of lies. Now the Holy Spirit gives us peace of mind through the truth, but the devil tries to take our peace through lies. He'll tell you lies about yourself. I think that's some of his favorite lies, is to tell you things about yourself. He'll say, oh, no one loves you, or you're ugly, or God could never use you, or you're worthless, things like that. I don't think I'm the only one he uses those on. And I could go on and on because he will throw those lies at you constantly. But when you think about those lies long enough, they will steal your peace. And it can seriously affect your life. Another area that we need to know the truth about is who God is and what he is like. Because lies about that can affect us terribly. You know, when I was a child, one of the first prayers I learned was, God is great and God is good. Let us thank him for the food. Amen. <laughs> I can still remember my mom teaching me to say it as we would bow our heads and close our eyes as we sat at the kitchen table. And we would say, God is great and God is good. But you know, when, anx when we're anxious and overwhelmed, when circumstances come into our life, the temptation is to forget or even doubt that God is great and God is good. But in order to have peace, we need to know the truth about who God is and what he's like and think on those truths and not get distracted by the lies of Satan. Paul then says, think about whatever is honest and just. 
Now that means what's worth respect and what's right. There's so much out there, whether on TV or in books or on the internet, that's not respectable. And we ought not to fill our minds with those things. Then he says, whatever is pure, and that refers to moral purity. The people that Paul was writing to back then, they were tempted with thoughts of sexual impurity, just as people are today. Paul is telling them and us to think pure thoughts. But if, because if you're constantly think impure thoughts, your actions are probably going to follow. Then he says, whatever is lovely and of good report. Now, too often we can think about what's not so lovely in the world. We're constantly bombarded with bad news. And if that's what you're filling your mind with and that's what you're thinking about all the time, you're definitely going to lose your peace. Instead, Paul says, think about good things in your life. Think about good news. And then he goes on to say, if anything is praiseworthy, think on those things. Now, we can't afford to waste time and our mind power on things that will tear us down or if shared with others, will tear others down. Our thoughts affect us greatly. So let's take Paul's advice and think on the things that he listed. And in doing so, that's just one more way that we can pursue peace. The fourth thing that we need to deal with if we're pursuing peace is our actions. Paul said in verse 9, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. He said the things that you have learned and received. See, it's one thing to learn something and another thing to receive it inwardly and make it a part of your life. Facts in your head are not enough. It must change our lives. And in Paul's life, he not only taught what was right, but he also lived it. So those who, who he taught could see it in his life. And Paul's example should be ours. We need to learn the word, receive it in our hearts, and do what it says. You know, if you are lacking peace this morning, you need to face the possibility that one of the reasons you're feeling that way might be because there's a barrier that needs to be removed so that you can receive the peace that you desire. And the barrier is what the Bible calls sin. Now, don't get me wrong, when you're lacking peace, it's not always a result of sin. Sometimes it's just a result of circumstances and not because of anything you've done wrong. But when you are lacking peace and those anxious feelings come over you, it is a good time to take stock of your life and see if there's any continuous sin that might be hindering you. You can't segregate outward action from inward attitude. For a Christian, sin will always result in a loss of peace. Isaiah 32, 17 says, The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. His effect will be quietness and confidence forever. You see, living right is necessary for experiencing the peace of God. When we become a Christian, we're fully forgiven. We're given a new heart and a new spirit. We have God's spirit living in us. So we're not going to be able to experience peace if we're sinning because we're not compatible with it. That's not who you are. We are children of God. We're dead to sin. We're slaves to righteousness. And sin takes away our peace because it's not who we are. So if we're going to pursue peace, we need to deal with the sin that's in our lives. Now, I came across a story about someone who decided to pursue peace. 
Her life was anything but peaceful. She was born as the result of a terrible rape of her teenage mother. In her childhood, she never lived anywhere for more than a year at a time. She first married at age 13. She eventually became involved in a traveling carnival. Later, she was discovered for her singing voice and acting ability. She became a famous blues and jazz singer in the 1920s and 30s. She became an actress and was the only, only the second African-American to be nominated for an Academy Award for the film Pinky in 1949. She was the first female African-American to be nominated for an Emmy in 1962 in an episode of Route 66. She is in the Grammy Hall of Fame. She's in the Christian Music Hall of Fame. And in 1994, her face was on a 29-cent stamp honoring her life. And yet, she knew much personal turmoil and unrest. She married three times. She had serious health problems. But later in her life, she finally turned to the Lord for his peace. Ethel Walters was her, Waters was her name. She's best known for singing at the Billy Graham Crusades all over the world. Ethel made one song in particular famous. She sang it at many crusades and on TV shows. It's the name of her biography, and it's called, His Eye is on the Sparrow. The last verse of the song says, Whenever I am tempted, whenever clouds arise, when songs give place to sighing, when hope within me dies, I draw the closer to him, from care he sets me free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. See, Ethel, in those later years of her life, pursued peace in Christ. She came to understand that God is in control and that he is watching over us. He's not worried or stressed over what's going to happen in the world or in her life. He knows the end from the beginning, and he sees the big picture. And he is the one we need to keep our eyes focused on and put our trust in. I came across an illustration that I thought was really good. I think I've used it before, so you might have heard it before. Uh, but I'd like to share it in closing. Long ago, a man sought the perfect picture of peace. Not finding one that satisfied, he announced a contest to produce the masterpiece. The challenge stirred the imagination of artists everywhere, and paintings arrived from far and wide. Finally, the great day of revelation arrived. The judges uncovered one peaceful scene after another while the viewers clapped and cheered. The tensions grew. Only two pictures remained veiled. As a judge pulled the cover from one, a hush fell over the crowd. A mirror smooth lake reflected lacy green birches under the soft blush of the evening sky. Along the grassy shore, a flock of sheep grazed undisturbed. Surely, this was the winner. The man with the vision uncovered the second painting himself, and the crowd gasped in surprise. Could this be peace? A tumultuous waterfall cascaded down a rocky precipice. The crowd could almost feel the penetrating spray. Stormy gray clouds threatened to explode with lightning, wind, and rain. In the midst of the thundering noises and bitter chill, a spindly tree clung to the rocks at the edge of the falls. One of his branches reached out in front of the terrestrial waters as if foolishly seeking to experience its full power. A little bird built its nest in the elbow of that branch. Content and undisturbed in her storming surroundings, she rested on her eggs. With her eyes closed and her wings ready to cover her little ones, she manifested peace 
that transcends all earthly turmoil. Now, maybe today you feel like the storms are raging around you. You feel like, you can feel like that little bird in the midst of the turmoil. You can rest in the arms of him who is your peace. Peace that Jesus gives is not the absence of trouble, but rather the confidence that he is with you always. I want to challenge you this morning. If you need peace, pursue it. Do whatever it takes to find it. Because when we live our life with peace, people will notice. They're going to want what we have. And what amazing witness that will be. Well, maybe you're here or listening online and you don't have peace with God. You've never received him as your savior. I want you to know that God loves you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross to take the punishment for your sin and mine. He wants to be in relationship with you. He loves you so very much. And you can accept his free gift of grace today. And if you do make that decision, then please let us know so that we can rejoice and journey with you. Or maybe you're here and you are a Christian and you're in need of the peace of God in your life. I would encourage you to deal with any unresolved conflict in your life. If your struggle is anxiety and you would say, Connie, I'm worried and stressed all the time and it's robbing me of my peace, I think you need to take the necessary steps to deal with your anxiety. If you're having difficulty with your thoughts, I think that would probably include every one of us here today. We need to remember to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and start believing the truth about who God is and who we are in Christ and to think about the things Paul suggested. Then examine your life. And if there's a sin that you are struggling with, you need to deal with it. Bring it to God. Those are just the steps that we, can that we can take to pursue more peace in our lives. Now, if we do those things, I believe we're going to be well on the way to finding more peace. And if you need peace in your life this morning, like me, I preach this sermon because I need more peace in my life. So if you're like me this morning and you're in need of some more peace, if you want to pursue peace, why don't you just raise your hand and I, I'm, I would love to pray, pray for you. God, we come to you, Lord. We're in need of you. In ourselves, we are sometimes weak and frail and things come against us, circumstances and, and things that that are just hard, but God, I pray that you would help us. Help us to find that peace that you promised, God. You said you would give us peace that passes all understanding. So God, I pray for those who are here today who raised their hand that would admit like me that they need some more peace in their life. Help us to pursue it and do those things that your word tells us to do so that we can experience your peace, so that we can be a greater witness to those neighbors and people at work and people that we come in contact with so that they'll look at us and say, I know you're going through stuff. How do you have such peace in your life and we can point people to Jesus? God, I thank you that we are not alone. You said you would never leave us, that you would never forsake us. So God, help us to think about that today. Help us to just keep our eyes focused on you. And we just thank you and we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Would you stand and we're going to worship one more time.